0: You're so worth it. You're so worth it. You know, love can actually exist.
1: Welcome to the Self-Kindness with Pete podcast.
0: The podcast
1: where I show you how the practice of inner kindness changes everything. Through the conversations here, I'll teach you how to turn that harsh, critical, and even hurtful inner voice into one that is kind, supportive, and healing. I'm Pete Sibley, the self-kindness coach, and I am so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another self-kindness with Pete. I am Pete Sibley and I am so excited. I'm always I feel like I'm excited a lot lately getting onto this podcast even with so much traveling in our hearts and in our minds with the things that and you know continue to unfold in our world around us how can we get still together how can we come together how can we create something that touches back with our true nature our true nature which is one that seeks out calm that seeks out peace that seeks out inner stillness and compassion and empathy and service in the world. And so I'm so glad that you clicked play today because today's topic is not a topic that most of us run towards, that most of us intentionally go and seek deeper exploration into, but it is the exact reason why it's so important and literally having my heart and my mind blown wide open by hanging out with my new friend Amaratma today on this podcast with him. So today we're talking about grief. We've explored this a little bit on the podcast in the past, but so much of an inner kindness journey is about normalizing and looking at emotions that every human being has and understanding what is our you know What's our own relationship with it? We all have experienced grief on some level. Uh, today, we'll talk about the definition of grief as being s- simply, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but simply a change in a regular, something that was regular for us, a regular pattern, a regular habit, a way, regular way of thinking. So even doing something like uh, working with a life coach, there are many experiences of grief in there and of course the big ones that we all know and talk about which would be you know death or the end of a job or the end of a relationship Um, you know but grief touches and can be of service to us in so many different places so this conversation is about understanding all of that From the small moments to these bigger life-changing ones and seeing when we understand grief, it becomes a powerful ally and source into the very thing, meaning of why we are here, which I believe is love. We're here to learn how to be even better stewards of love and stronger stewards of being a conversation and a portal for love in the world. So, let me tell you a little bit about my guest and then we'll jump right in. So, my guest today is Amaratma Sinkalsa, and he is a grief coach with an advanced certification as a grief recovery specialist. He spent the better part of the last decade helping thousands of grievers working in a Trauma 1 University hospital as a board certified chaplain. He has a master's degree in Traditional Chinese medicine and uses a mindfulness and mind-body-spirit approach to teaching and helping grievers from the many losses that occur throughout life. He currently is a one-on-one virtual grief coach, teaching people and helping grievers to cope and release emotional pain. It's my hope that in listening to Amaratma and this conversation that he and I have together, that you will be inspired to maybe be a little bit more open to understanding this powerful human experience of grief. Here's my friend Amaratma. Amaratma, welcome to Self-Kindness with Pete. I'm so stoked you're here. We were just doing a whole bunch of stuff before we started rolling here, Um, but let's just jump right in. Um, You know, self-kindness what how does that land with you right now what's your working definition of that and then you know tell the people a little bit about you wherever you want to start you could tell us the whole journey and also I didn't even say you know tell us maybe what what label you kind of put on yourself right now as the kind of um, coach that you are out there in the world
0: yeah, cool. Nice to meet you, Pete. So great to connect. Thank you for the invitation. I um I probably identify myself mostly these days as a grief coach. I think that's a simple and fair assessment of the work I do. And um really inspired by grief, to be honest. Actually alleviating grief or working with grief or learning from grief. Um, I feel like it's the boogeyman in the closet and and scary and overwhelming for people. And I found myself connecting to grief in a way that I had never really anticipated. It wasn't something I aspired to be. It wasn't something that I, I was like, okay, I must, you know, 10 years old, I'm like I'm gonna be a grief coach. You know, like that's that's not what it was for me. Like, it's more probably found me than I found it. And it just kind of synced into who I am as a person. Um, you know, and um I would say self-kindness right now is a working definition for me is probably a permission. Yeah, and give a single word definition as permission, allowing and maybe a second word to describe that. Um, I think that sometimes we think self kindness should look a certain way, you know, self care, self love, and that becomes a chore for a lot of us, you know, I got to meditate and I got to journal and I got to do gratitude exercises and I got to go take a spa or I got to go relax or I got to do some yoga or meditation you know like different varying things or I got to make sure I eat well it's like dang I was like I like a long list of things I got to do every day yeah. to feel good or to be kind to myself and it turns into a chore and so kind of getting into more of a self-love practice with self-kindness it's about a lot about permission creating a bit of a space to being with what is that's existing inside and I would say that that might come from a place of how are we feeling and opening a space of asking that question how am i feeling and if i if i may i speak to it in this way um when asking the question how am i feeling um paying attention to what my body says versus the thoughts that come in yeah and learning how to pay attention to feelings as sensations of the body as opposed to how i'm feeling based on an analysis or an interpretation or a judgment from my thoughts or my mind in terms of what I think it is or what I think it's about. And so learning to be with what is, I think is remarkably powerful self-kindness practice. And that has a lot to do with being emotionally honest, giving ourselves permission and maybe some allowance to what's actually happening inside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much good stuff. Where do I even start with, with, with what you said? So You know, I just wanted to share with the listening audience that I was telling you that the way that you come across to me as a human being is safe. Like there's this quality of safety. Um, And being somebody who has done a lot of my own work around that and, uh, you know, unpacking, I love that, the boogeyman in the closet. um, I feel like that that's one of the things that I you know pat myself on the back is like recognizing people who who are that in an honest and authentic way um if you're willing to because i know that it's it's it there's some hard hard earned uh <laughs> you know safety and and you know kindness in your own life knowing a little uh reading a little bit of, of your story it, if you're willing to share just a little bit of that journey of of maybe some of those points of when it didn't feel um safe for you in that way to to attend to that that body wisdom that you're getting you know to to the emotions and things like that to you know to where you find yourself today knowing that it's always going to be work um but yeah yeah, a a little bit of that journey if you are willing to
0: share yeah totally thank you you know it's always kind of funny tell, you know, tell our personal story and, you know, the narrative that we have and, 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 and what I want to do is not have like a story that I've told or a story that I have prepared, but almost like, you know, just what's existing for me right now as I, as I am as a person, knowing that, you know, identity is one of those things that kind of shift and evolves and how we think of ourselves shifts and evolves. And so I'd probably start with like, I didn't know how to feel for the first 20 years of my life. <laughs> but I felt a lot. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. I, I I can say that I had no idea how to feel. I had no idea. I had no idea about my body. And in any aspect of it, actually, in actuality, the first probably 15 or the latter, you know, probably from five years old, to about 20 years old, I did a lot to try to stop my body from feeling with a lot of activities of like, Poor food choices to um, seeking forms of pleasure with drugs and alcohol and at a young age um, to um, varying levels of putting myself in situations were like self-hurting pieces, you know, it was a big part of my, my, my kind of upbringing. So it's pretty dark, actually, for me, the first 20 years, a lot, a lot of dark nights of the soul, a lot of existential pain. But, you know, the thing is, is that I was feeling a lot, but I wasn't in tune with the feelings. And that's something that I feel like is really important for people who maybe listen to you or who, who want to know about me a little bit and around, around grief work, is that in actuality, I think that we feel a lot more than we're really aware or in tuned in. And while we seek to be robotic by not feeling, stuffing it away doesn't make the feelings come or experience any less, you know, and so... There's that kindness piece there to to being present to that humanness that kind of comes in there. Mm -hmm. So I was in pain, man. Like I was just in a lot of pain and I was in existential pain. I was thinking about life and life purpose and God and spirituality and and things about what does this life mean and what is my what is my trajectory in it? I had those thoughts at a really, really young age and I was feeling kind of lost. So probably my pain was my greater motivator it was like how to get rid of my pain kind of drew me towards my education i got a bachelor's degree from the university of california santa cruz you know i got i created my own major i studied spiritual style psychology or at least a humanistic psychology um i worked at a spiritual bookstore for many years exploring very many faith perspectives spirituality seemed to be kind of an integral part of my my journey um and that was really important for me and uh yeah, then it took me to Chinese medicine. I got a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine. I practiced acupuncture for a long time. I was licensed for a long time and ran a practice and was really flourished within that work, but didn't like the experience. And all the while, I was doing a meditation-style apprenticeship with one of my teachers. and within a spiritual organization and in collaboration with the faith that I had grown up with, which is Sikh. And, um, and while I was doing my Chinese medical education, I... doing this apprenticeship but all the while all the all the journey within that was like how do i alleviate pain how do i find my place in this world how do i feel integrated within this existence how do i not die pretty much how do i how do i not die (laughs) and interestingly my story was all about grief like it was i was feeling a lot of grief from just feeling disconnected abandoned betrayed by I would say the nature of our times and existence. I was feeling a sense of abandoned, betrayed from God. I felt like booted out of the heavens, so to say, I felt disconnected. I felt existential. I felt lost within my spirit. I had deaths that were happening. I didn't understand it. Nobody talked about it. I had people grieving around me. Nobody said anything about it. I had people emotionally in pain. Nobody was talking about it. I, I just experienced and felt so much and didn't have a compass for any of it. So my, 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 educational trajectory took me to um you know searching about that so my undergraduate was kind of cool because i could explore a lot of things and chinese medical school was kind of cool because it was studying like getting pretty much like a phd in mind body spirit medicine i was able to understand like western medicine and be taught really dynamically clinical based work and then i understood like an energetic form of medicine as well from acupuncture to meridians to herbology and understanding yin and yang and what that means and the liver doesn't just mean this organ on the right side at our you know right upper quadrant but this 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 very well spring of of wisdom that exists from a macroscopic as opposed to a microscopic lens mm-hmm. and that started to really ground me in a deep way and and that helped me to understand because in some part, what I was looking for was resonant. I had a belief, I had an understanding, I had a system of thought that was evolving through my being through all my pain. And I was looking for resonant, something that things that resonated with me in this world. I was like, yes, that's that's what it is. That's that's what's happening. That's what this, this what this world is about. I get it. And I was like, yes, okay. And when I had that, I felt good and I felt excited, and I felt enriched, and I did have pain but it wasn't until I got to chaplaincy that I really started to really work with my pain in a deep way. And chaplaincy, as you may or may not know, or your listeners may or may not know, is uh, emotional and spiritual care in a hospital-based setting. And so as a, I was a minister, I'd, I'd been ordained as a minister for my apprentice-based spiritual work and I uh, had master's degrees. And so I, I just vibed into that. And I did pretty much acute care for the better part of six or seven years. And I worked and the trauma bays and the ICUs and the emergency departments. I worked in palliative care and oncology departments. I worked with parents, I worked with pediatrics. I worked in inpatient psych units. I worked in a very gamut of places, but my, my main specialty was adult patients um, and families um, working in the trauma bay and the emergency department as well as in palliative care and probably psych unit. I could probably say that as well. Those are my probably three or four main specialties. So somebody gets a cancer diagnosis, I'm with the family, somebody's, you know, a a scenario where um, a person is saying that they have a terminal illness now, and they're only going to be living six months, I'm there holding their hand, holding the family's hand, I'm there with a mom whose um, son just got shot by a bullet in a party with a bunch of gangbangers, and I was... I was the mom. I was the one supporting mom and brother and sister and family. I'm the one who was with, you know, the 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 wife of a young man who died in an ATV accident. You know, who has all of a sudden had wishes to become an organ donor and supporting them in that process of helping them in that in that way. And um, you know, I'm there when somebody, you know, has a major accident from a car accident and now they have an amputation or. You know, pieces that were life changing moments and really intensive. And I started to work with just grievers on a very regular basis. And I started to understand that all my pain was really associated with grief. And I was starting to have like a way in which I could work with it. And I was trained in it, I was have specialty in it. And then working with hundreds and thousands of grievers in varying capacities and varying life situations and short term and acute scenarios and long term became something that found me that makes me do what I do now, because it just feels like this is, this is my work in the world. This this is what I feel is my purpose. Right. Right.
1: Well, wow. I love that. And I think that you, from what I hear, you're a living example of, you know, that, that belief that, um, that I say often on this, this podcast and other places that when you're doing that, that inner work and, you know, the depth and the degree to which you do that, it then becomes, you know, just like a natural flow into the world and the community around us. So, I mean, you being willing to, we'll go back to the the boogeyman, you being willing to, to open up the door and, and be with the boogeyman makes you available for all these other people that, um, yeah, what a, what a gift. Um, yeah, so in that, in that space and in the work that you're doing now, um, I can hear a lot of people that are listening, like, yeah, I want to alleviate pain. <laughs> and, uh, if, you know, well, I feel like there's, there's two things that you probably see. One is the person who is just like, you know, there and they're ready to alleviate the pain. And the other person is, uh, you know, maybe they're sensing something, but they're not quite sure. Like they can't quite put their finger on it. Like you were saying earlier version of you. So how do you like, what's, what's some of the, the the process of beginning that permission, beginning that allowance um, that, that starts to come up for you after, you know, just when you're, when you're meeting with people or just um, now that you have sat with, with so many people like i'm just curious like how do we begin that permission
0: yeah you know i think that's that's the when we talk about self-kindness and bringing it back to you know what, what we're here for is i think sometimes we feel that self-kindness is trying to feel good especially when something horrible has happened to us something life-changing life-altering some griefs yeah. loss that happens um you know, and so we want to feel good, we want to feel better, and that's that's part of our self-kindness strategy. But sometimes self-kindness is what I like to refer to as face, embrace, release. This is this is the jam, man. Like this is this is the courageous work. This is this is our humanness. This is our this is our our value as a human spirit. And one of the things that I learned, which I I denied and I hated actually before I got into chaplaincy, before I did end of life care, was I thought that being human was a liability you know I did my best to not be human at all I was like I got to be superhuman. I got to be transcendent you know my 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 spiritual mentoring and my meditation yoga teacher trainings and teaching people you know all that stuff was like no being human being emotional is impulsive and we got to be above and beyond that and and I thought that being human was weak and fragile and something we got to be something other than until I arrived to sit with that mom, to sit with that wife, to sit with that husband, to sit with that son. And I saw them facing utter tragedy. And I was like, oh, my God, like, these are the strongest people, huh? Right. These people are like, th- these, are the, these, are, these are the exquisite people. These are the superheroes. These are people who have known pain, known loss, and known defeat and have found their way out of the depths. And that's a quote from Elizabeth Kulder-Ross and it is like so enriching. And so I found the power of the human spirit and I was like, oh, that is our strongest in our just like nature has everything it needs to exist and flourish and be awesome. There's human nature that is exactly right. Not exactly wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, And when I found that and I saw that and I started to embrace it within myself, which in chaplaincy, we call formation. When I saw that within myself, I was like, okay, stop judging and stop shaming and see not what's wrong with you, but what's right. Mm. And to embrace into that experience that my emotions are not a wrong thing. They might be the right thing, but how do I work with that? And that's where the coaching pieces come in because grief is an emotional response you can't think your way through it you right. got to feel your way through it right. and that's the hardest part for people is because we haven't really been taught about the heart we haven't been taught about emotions and emotional resiliency and emotional intelligence we haven't taught, nobody's been taught that i mean we, our coping mechanisms are like oh negate pain and toxic positivity and man up you know yeah, and totally. don't be a a p you know and for women it's like you know Use your emotions to manipulate and you know, stop crying and don't feel bad and all those things. And that's what we've been taught. And so when grief hits us, minor to major, it's an emotional experience and it comes with a flood of emotions. And so we're not taught how to do that. And so face embrace release is our jam. It's like, okay, let's be let's be con- on- conscious about what's happening here. What are we really feeling? And learning about. That stuff. Learn how to feel, learn how to courageously connect to what's really happening and give yourself actual permission and let yourself be a little emotional honest and say, what the fuck? I hated that this happened. Oh, this is so frustrating. Or like I am sad and this does suck. And I don't think that they're in a better place. I wish they were here with me because with me is a better place. And yeah. you know and and coming out with that and that's where we start to the first foundations of our work and is allowing that and when you speak about safety that's an important role for me to hold is because I want people to feel like I'm your dude you know like like you can say whatever it is it's a lockbox here more so I'll probably forget it you know but like I'm with you and you have somebody who not not is going to be Prophetic for you, but right there with you, companioning, companioning with you. Who has been through the utter depths of the utter, utter places, and not just for myself, but with others, and saying that, hey, this is not going to overwhelm me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm with you. We can we can go deep. We can emotionally skip it out of here. We're all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. Oh my goodness, I know. Yeah, that, what you're talking about, I feel like that is, uh, you know, that's such an important. Skill that we, you know, hopefully continues to be a a larger human awakening, but like awakening to this realization that, yeah, like you said, I, I think I put my feeling even a little further along. Like I always say, like, you know, I thought I was like this feeling, like, you know, emotional man, like that's how I identified. And yet, you know, even till recently, I was like, oh, I was kind of like that. I don't know if you remember ever watching The Price is Right. There was that game, the Plinko Chips.
0: I loved Plinko. How's was my favorite game.
1: Yeah, so it's <laughs> good. You're like, come on. But I felt like my emotions were like Plinko Chips. Like you could yeah. drop them. Yeah. And it could have gone anywhere, but they would have come down to two emotions. One is like anger out to rage. And I didn't really know how to do anger and rage, which yeah. would just be like, I'm going to drive down the street screaming at the top of my lung, like punching the roof of my car. And like, so that was the one. Or the other one was like shame, embarrassment, and just like, so both of the Plinkos eventually would come down, but they would always lead to like, I'm not he like was
0: fixed. This. They fixed the game, man. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> totally. So suddenly it was like, you know, getting like, for me, the therapy into the coaching work and my own journey has been really about expanding the different places that the chip can land because um yeah. and then but also you know that safety and that permission of seeing that oh when the chip lands and the emotions there like that's actually like you know if you want to use keep using the game analogy like that's what the whole thing's about like that yeah. is, you know i recently just had a client say one of the you know they're always saying these profound things because we're all connected to it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they said that, you know, being human is the adventure. And so like you, I feel like there are so many of us that like, we have learned that the humanness of us is the part that we need to transcend where, you know, I hear the wisdom in you, what's grown in me. And in so many others is like, no, 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 actually, Let's flip that whole thing on its head. Totally. And no,
0: it's it's actually the the backwards for me. And it's been a huge journey for me um, because I had like a whole way of thinking about my life that had to be transformed and shifted and changed because it was in that same thing. My Plinko chips were keep going on to for me, it was judgment and shame. It was, it was not that I was not good enough, is that I had to be something other than myself to be good enough. Right. And so I had chameleon style personality stuff, right? Like I would just try to be something different, and and you know I think that now it's the opposite. Now I like embrace my humanness in such a sweet and endearing way. I almost like love myself even in my pain and grief is not like a boogeyman for me. It's like a homie, right? Like it's yeah. like it's not it's not at all what we thought it was. This dark figure that's scary. It's it's yeah. more like life journey and trajectory. Because if we're living a human life and we want to love and we seek love, grief will be there because loss is universal. All right. And we are people who live connected to each other and in relationship to each other. And we identify ourselves, not by who we are, but who we are with and how we relate connected to each other. And so, you know, we say that to grieve is to have loved. Um, um mm-hmm. And so it's actually a story of love, not really grief. And when I opened up that door and I came in a relationship with the boogeyman of my life around grief and around the emotions around grief, not just anger and shame, but the whole spectrum of emotions, the colorful expression of feelings like disgust and annoyance and hostility and frustrations and vitriol and indignant and surprise and joy and happiness, which by far are the scariest emotions. For my grief clients actually is peace joy and happiness and contentment as well because those are ones that are like always oh, this you know we're comfortable with our anger or we know yeah. doom, gloom despair we know those in our life
1: like am i okay to feel happy here in this well we're
0: waiting for the other shoe to drop it's like when i feel happy it's like when is it gonna go away and i'm scared it's gonna go so forget it i just don't want it in my life okay it's like You know, I don't want the peaks and valleys. I'll just go hill to peak, hill to valley, hill to valley every time, right? So, you know, like the embracing the humanness was really cool because the boogeyman turned from this dark, like, figure to almost being this exquisite, almost like spirit animal in a way of, of, of something that is teaching us about love, this light being teaching us about love. And so that's my relationship to grief is knowing well that it is scary and knowing well that it is hard. And I'm very conscientious around taking people very softly and sweetly through a grief process because it's not, that's why it's coaching. It's not therapy, right? Like it's not, it's not that we're doing therapy work. We it's learning a life skill, learning how to grieve is a life skill. That's a life skill that I wish we all had when we were five years old, Yeah. along with how to manage finances and how to do mindfulness and how to cook and change oil in my car. Right. Like, yeah these are like life skills. I brush my teeth, you know, like, and this is a life skill that we are all remarkably under equipped. And so I figured out a way to teach. It. That's, this is kind of how it is just figured out how to teach it. And wow. that in of itself seems massively presumptuous. <laughs> I'm trying to own it. I'm trying to like own it for myself within my work because I've hid and, and and studied and educated and got more and more certifications to like,
1: but, but but why? Like, I think, I mean, that might even be a thing that's curious. Why do you who have spent so much time with it, like still feel that it's hard to express like, this is what I'm teaching.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm all, that's my learning curve, you know, in terms of of doing coaching work with people and wanting to take it beyond kind of the one-to-one and in terms of like, you know, one of the things that I want to do is just give it all away. Like, I just want to share it all. I want to just share it all and and help people because I feel my thing is world peace through inner peace. Yes. That, that's the jam, man. Like world peace through inner peace. And I feel like what we all have is some, if, if, we're, if we're not in tune with the grief that's been existing in our life, then we have some sort of false sense of peace. And that's inherently... Not creating space in our world because then we have resentments and we have, you know, betrayal and lack of trust, and we are guarding our heart. We're not open with our heart. We're not open with love. We're not yeah. safe to share. And if yeah. there's guarding that's exi- existing inside there in dimensional ways because of grief, then we're not in tune with peace within ourselves. Yeah. Right. And that feels like, whoa, that's a like huge arc <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to feel yes. like that. There's like, stuff around me I'm like can I can I actually teach that? Can I actually right. like I feel like I could do that one to one with people and meet them in there. but in a larger audience like create a YouTube channel and like yeah. you know have like group oriented stuff where my you know write a book and like have a podcast like I don't do any of that like yeah. and to share to a vast public without me seeing them or them knowing me and having this like intimate, beautiful poetic relationship of doing grief work I'm just like, oh like I can like uh. totally. You know, I I,
1: I love. (laughs) Well, thanks for thanks for going there with me because I think like that is the, you know, again, what you're modeling is that safety of being willing to be in the, you know, there. uh, It's it's the humanness of it. It's like, you know, we don't like we don't want to work to transcend the humanness of it. Like even as we're doing work that speaks about the whole thing, like. Yeah. we're we're doing it like the ego's gonna pop in and like the, the doubt's yeah. gonna be there and like, and yeah and all of that and i think what you touch upon and it's something that i know that i continue to it's uh, it's always the coaching i get back to me it's like "Pete this sounds like it's a self-love self-kindness thing." and I'm like "Of course it is." Of course. But it <laughs> it's like, you know, the 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 journey that i feel like that i continue to be on was uh is that you know just that turnaround that you're talking about it's like i thought it was that the boogeyman and the feet like that was too big and it's like this abyss and it was going to consume me but then when i actually sat next to it i was like no shit this is unconditional love that i'm sitting next to yeah terrified of it
0: yeah yeah that's solid man i think i thank you for sharing that because you know as a man, it's actually remarkably challenging to do that as well because we have a lot of constructs around emotions and about strength, yep. and about weakness and fragility. That is taking me a long time to really unravel within my own spirit. And even then, you know, like that's something that I have to work on, and 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 that's, that's something that I'm I'm consciously working on. You know, like there's not a part of me that feels like I've ever arrived, and I love that. Yep. I love the continuation of arriving, the ing to it it's a continuation process. And I like that. I like that part of me. I find like my most poetic is me working through areas of my life that I've had challenge with my imperfections, my quirkiness, my, my seemingly to be liabilities, the shame stuff, you know, like those are the parts when I, when I meet myself there with love and allow myself with permission and kindness. I find myself in this, like, elegant poem. <laughs> yes. And I love it, actually. Oh, man. And, and when I'm in it, there's a, so much creativity mm. that starts to come through. And that that is what I'm yearn for. Mm. And what I hope to create for people in their experience of doing grief work Or not knowing that they need grief work, but helping them come to that place of aliveness. Mm Because that is like the tenderness that I, and I feel everyone is seeking for, especially at this time, like in this time, in this world, in this existence.
1: Let's talk about that. So it's like, I mean, because obviously most people, when you say grief, they think of like death or they think of a, a major, like, you know, they're like this major uplifting, but I feel like, you know, one of the gifts of being on this journey or even reading some of your work is like grief is like, there can be a short process of grief that can happen. Like, you know, over something that we would think is like, Oh, just, that's just a whatever. So it's maybe introduce us a little bit to places where, where we, we, we are probably having a grief response and we don't even realize that it's a grief response because we're holding grief as like, oh, it's when grandma dies or, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's totally appropriate. And the grief work that I'm connected with, um, we say that there's over 40 different types of loss. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of tap into that then, right? Because death and divorce are probably the two main components of loss that we feel. Death being obviously the main one that we all think about, the loss of somebody in our life. We say that death is like um, um, a, a death without a body. So death and divorce are like the two main ones that we often think about. But there are so many more, man. Like there are so many different types of loss that we experience. Even in the death aspect, you know, a loss of a spouse versus a loss of a child versus a loss of a parent versus a loss of a grandparent all very different a loss to somebody through through death by suicide or a death by a car accident or a death by old age a dementia or a death by some sort of tragedy or you know natural disaster or mass shooting all very different types that are existing there you know a pet loss is so different too and and kind of connecting that so even in the realm of death it's like there's this cascade of experience there. And then speaking in terms of relationships, you know, divorce is a main one, but a breakup, oh, that's huge. Even if it's a small one or yeah. a large one, a sense of rejection, serial dating with online dating is a big one. Not finding a sense of partnership or feeling like you have that person or soulmate in your life that you're looking for are components of loss. Um separation is a huge one. If it's not a divorce or it's not that way, you know, then it's this is experience. And then how children might experience for their parents how they feel it for themselves. How parents might feel it for their children who might be happening, you know. So those are all components of loss. Health-related losses are important. Somebody who has an injury, there's you know an amputation. I was just speaking with somebody recently that you know that that they have a, a family member who may be going, who is going to be has uh, some unstable diabetes and may need to have an amputation and the loss that comes in with that piece. Aging is a form of a loss that exists there. Menopause for women is a huge component of a loss. If, you know, Sexual difficulties for men can be a component. Puberty is a form of a loss. Um, there are so many different types of losses that exist in, within the health-related components that are there. Chronic pain is a major form of loss. It's um, a loss for the person who has it, and it's for the family members who are around there. You know, maybe they love to hike and they can't hike anymore. You know, they love to travel, they can't travel because chronic pain is a part of the household. Um, Degenerative um, disease, ALS, MS. You know, so those are huge components. You let me know if if you want me to stop at any point because you know
1: so- the the other thing that you're you're as you're listing all these off, like you know, I'm I I have my immediate thought with so many of them, but but I think. All of a sudden, you just as you started to, to say some of those, it made me think of those experiences that happen in our life that are like maybe even supposed to be happy in a way. But there can be a loss of like, I'm even th- like I was just thinking of my daughter who just graduated, graduated from middle school. Yeah. But like, you know, there's this whole per- like she's definitely, you know, moving into being this more, you know, autonomous human being and adult. But it's it's as if at times I have witnessed and sensed from her, there is a little bit of like, I'm like, I'm not quite fully a kid anymore. I'm like, so there's like understanding that. And, you know, and, but I was also thinking like, you know, marriage can be that too. It's like, well, I'm getting married, but like, what is that? Like, that's a, that's a change of a a life. So even with divorce being the separation of a, like that, there's always that, that opportunity maybe like to, even if the yeah. skills that you're learning come from that challenging moment that those skills can then be applied to these right. other moments as well.
0: That's right, you know. So the definition we use for grief is that it's a change or end in a familiar pattern or behavior of life.
1: Mm. Wait, can you say that again?
0: Yeah. It's a change or end mm-hmm. in a familiar pattern or behavior of our life.
1: Whoa, Maratma, we got to do a whole... (laughs) That just brought up a whole other... Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the whole world of coaching is about an invitation to a new mind, new neural networks, new thoughts.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of letting go that people have difficulty with because they are such a familiarity to. So actually, sometimes the things that are challenging for us that we need to grow from is something that we're holding on to because we don't know how to grieve its loss. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's big, man. It's big. It's all over the place. Grief is everywhere, man. It's everywhere. Blowing up, dude. Yeah, you yeah. know, and so you know, like, and it comes with conflicting feelings. That's the that's the second definition, right? Grief is the natural, normal response to loss of any kind, and it comes with conflicting feelings. <laughs> yeah. So, having. Birthing their first child can be so exciting, so awesome. But then the parents are like, oh, we can't travel as much as we used to. Oh, we've a little lost our autonomy. Oh, sex is different now. Oh, autonomy and our independence, you know, going date nights and doing it we want and hanging out with our friends. It's different. We have maybe lost some friends because now we have a child and we're not able to hang out as often. But it's like the most glorious thing. You have a baby. Oh my God, awesome. Yeah. But that becomes a transition. So we talk about transitions in life. Mm-hmm create that experience of that change of that familiar pattern and in there may be a loss so we can't think of loss and grief and like the big things like the life altering so we talk about it like primary loss secondary loss minor loss and micro loss Mm. boulders rocks pebbles sand yeah yeah and they all kind of exist in this invisible emotional backpack that we carry with us called our grief backpack yeah. and when we're not attuned with all those that can be really overwhelming where you might have a couple of boulders in there but you might have a ton of rocks that you thought were pretty minor you might have some pebbles but like that you know if you very backpack bro like carrying some rocks <laughs> that's heavy yeah you know and that can be really detrimental so You know, grief can then look like a lot of things in life, like depression. It can look like trauma. It can look like burnout. It can look, it can look like chronic pain experiences. It can have a somatic side. It can look like spiritual dark nights of the soul. It can look like all these things. And this is exactly why I do grief work. I didn't choose to do this. I actually fought doing this Mm -hmm. is because it's so insidious and it's so subtle that I have to say like, this is, if we, if, if world peace is my vibe, and inner peace is the way we get to it, then we gotta we gotta work on grief. If Bernay Brown talks about connection and intimacy and vulnerability being the goals of what her work and research was about, and she ended up becoming a shame researcher because she knew that shame, she found out that shame was the actual barrier for vulnerability, intimacy, yeah. and connection. Then for me, if it's about inner peace, then grief is the, I became a grief worker. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful you did. Yeah, well, breathing, I think, you know, I feel like the, the sense I get is that part of your journey also is to, you know, create that permission, that allowance, that safety around the word grief, the concept that we hold as a cultural collective around grief. Yeah. I mean, I know some of my work has been, I was interviewed by a friend of mine a year or two ago. And the title of the uh, the interview was self-kindness, dot, 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 I know, gross, right? <laughs> and so right. it's like, you know, that's what self-kindness, I can't, um, you know, I can only imagine what happens when you say grief coach and people are, you know, maybe they get a little panicky and they're like, oh, all right, like, I'm like, this is the guy that I almost like, this is the guy I don't want to see.
0: Yeah. But
1: as we start to unpack it, it's like, like, everyone like there is not a person that i can think of that wouldn't benefit from from the skills that you offer
0: and that's the coolest thing about it is because regardless of the kind of loss the 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 form the feelings are there and we have a trajectory of care we could do that's the coaching component there is because it is a life skill yeah so it's not like oh i work with only people who have had grief associated with death no it's grief associated with anything i've worked with people I'm working with an empty nester right now. I'm working with a person who had lost her mom four years ago. I'm working with a person who had burnout because of nursing during the pandemic. It's all these varying levels of, of grief that exist there. But the process of evolving through it is like, oh no, we can do this and we can do this well. And there can actually be peace. Like that's the coolest thing. Like it totally blows my mind. Like, oh my God, like, yes.
1: Yes, yes, because so it to go back to that earlier question of just like, you know, how do we do this? Like, how do I get there? Like, here's the how. Here's the how. And you a want how. That
0: there is there really is
1: authentically. There is
0: a. How and how and yeah, sure.
1: and again, like, you know, looking at your your marketing and what you put out there, it's like if people are just looking at, they, you know, they would see joy, they would see celebration, and, you know, the things that we don't like our culture just has decidedly to leave out of the grief picture and so yes. i'm so grateful that you are intentionally bringing that in and
0: you yeah, know, the, the, of- the cloaking device has like come off now you know <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. i'm like oh crap like i'm i'm like an introverted dude you know like i like coziness at home and like hanging with my dog and binge watching some fun tv you know like i'm kind of a chill dude like just like super bi- i like to rollerblade man it's like that Yes. But now it's like I just I feel this like oh crap like this birthing um nobody can see me because it's audio but I'm just like contorting my body and it's like yeah. my heart is like birthing something and I'm just like oh, i don't oh no yeah. yeah and it's about grief it's like am I am I like you know like why didn't I do something else but it's like I can't this is who I am yeah
1: yeah, yeah. well then I'll 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 give you a challenge here to then ch- how can we, how can we follow you? How can we be supporters? How can we find out more about the work you're doing? Or and for those who are listening and thinking like, yes, this is, this is the thing that I didn't know was missing. Um, how do how do we find out and and get in touch?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's probably like my, my social media platform that I'm most active, um, working and learning to be active on it. Um, so uh, at Amar Atma Coaching. That's my, that's my name, Amar Atma, which interestingly means eternal and timeless soul, huh. okay. which is so appropriate. <laughs> so I was like, all right, business name. All right. So Amar Atma Coaching. Um, and then info at Amar Atma Coaching is my email address and Amratmacoaching.com. It's like, that's the website and all the information is there. And and we'll link all that up too yeah you can link all that up yeah and yeah that's that's the way I'm I'm pretty active and engaged and dms are open in that way to like connect and questions and just saying hey yeah this is the kind of thing that's been happening for me does this grief work work for it it's like is this grief grief is the mis- most most misidentified thing that I think exists it's like that's a hyperbole but I I think I'm pretty sure about that you know like it's just so misidentified and so if somebody's really feeling a lot of suffering in their life or pain or tried many things and they're just like this is not working it may well be grief that's underneath it and um and so you know reach out you know dm and and let's connect and ask me some questions and i'll respond and you know we can can see if this works for you (laughs) oh
1: my gosh yeah yeah oh well thank you for taking time today. Thank you for sharing this gift. Thank you for saying yes, even if it was a little bit of a, a resistant yes at times.
0: Totally. <laughs>
1: if, if I could ask one more favor as we as we say goodbye, what's what's one? Um, what's one invitation that you might make to somebody who could really use it if they're listening to this, and they're just, you know, feeling the feels and, you know, are really touched by our conversation? what's what's what invitation that you would give them in this moment
0: you're so worth it you're so worth it you know love love can actually exist you can feel awesome in your life aliveness is not a false and authentic experience you don't have to academy award win your life through life you can feel amazing within you and what we want to do is remove the boulders that are eclipsing our heart allow that inner light to shine and you know what you're a gem you're a jewel and let's let's excavate you know let's let's go into those caverns and let's like kind of do some fun stuff and let's make it fun Mm -hmm. you know and um i would say permission you know permission come back to permission yeah yeah not not permission to like do the heavy work but permission to feel awesome to feel amazing to bring that into your life oh man that's that was the goal man Mm
1: Well, you are a gem. Thank you for taking some time today.
0: Thanks, we Appreciate that so much.
1: What a treasure. What a gem. And I really do hope that you go out and check out all of the things that Amaratma is putting out there in the world. And thank you for taking some time to be courageous to listen to this conversation. It is the conversation. You know, I think all of the other stuff is distraction. It's the stuff, it's the reason why we feel stuck. It's the reason why we feel overwhelmed. It's the reason why, you know, it feels like life at times is just hard and we hear ourselves say this again. I don't want to do this again. Why am I repeating it? It's the having and touching into this space that we were talking about today, the true conversation that I think is wanting to be birth in all of us. It's the reason why we get these nudges. It's the reason why these changes happen in our life so that we can make room and open up to the next part of us. And that is the conversation that I have with my clients, with my one-on-one clients. It is an amazing conversation. And here's how to begin it in your world. You know, the little sense that you get when you listen to these podcasts here's the good news we can do a lot more with that so that happens by setting up a one-on-one consultation call with me go down to the show notes click the links and schedule a time and that's a 50 minute session in your life it's free where all we're going to do is talk about self-kindness in your life talk about what this deepening of understanding would look like and what it would flourish and blossom in your life. So I hope you take me up on it. Love you lots. We will talk with you next week. Bye.